Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. Happy December and Merry Christmas. It's good to see you here. At Christmas time, there's all kinds of anticipation and preparation. You may have started getting ready for Christmas time already. Maybe you put some lights up on your house. Um, we got a tree. Usually we get the tree the day after Thanksgiving and do some decorating then. Um, another way to prepare is by making sugar cookies, drinking some hot chocolate or hot cocoa or that Mexican hot chocolate, which is really good and rich. Of course, we got the buying and the wrapping of presents. There's lots of ways to prepare for Christmas. Everyone's got their own versions and shades of traditions. We, you know, tend to get ready for Christmas in different ways. We like getting those Advent calendars for our kids. Those are pretty fun. Uh, we've, we've gotten those ones from Trader Joe's. You know, there's little flaps that you open for every day in December, and there's a little chocolate inside. And, you know, Advent calendars traditionally, well, I don't think they normally, I don't think that they, when they were designed, they had chocolate in them. But our kids are so excited. You know, the, these calendars help you anticipate Christmas. You count down the days, and there's a, something for every day. Um, our kids are so excited about these calendars that they started counting down the days until they could start counting down the days with the advent calendars because of the chocolate that was inside. And, uh, you know, in fact, we've even got, so the ones that we have right now, there's, uh, it's on the front cover of this calendar, there's a bunch of, it's a family of sloths with Santa hats on them. And uh, here, here's actually a picture of what it looks like. We got these, this is what we have. And, uh, you know, I looked at this, I was thinking about the, the, the mind-consuming focus on chocolate and sloths with Santa hats. And I thought, I think we're losing touch with the original point of Advent here. <laughs> so I, I've started calling them chocolate calendars. I don't even call them Advent calendars anymore because, uh, you know, that's, that, let's just call it what it is. But, uh, you know, fun treats like that, of course, that's part of the Christmas experience. And with all of this Christmassy stuff to enjoy, hey, we don't want to miss out on what God has really done, really the whole part of Christmas, the whole reason for it. In fact, in our live service today, this Sunday morning, uh, we sang two songs, one really beautiful song called Noel. In the chorus it says, you know, Noel, Noel, come and see what God has done. See the story of amazing love. It's, I love just the way that it brings our focus to that. Another song we sang was Heart of Chris, Christmas by Matthew West, and, and uh, it's a really great popular song about getting back to the heart of Christmas. And for everyone who has faith in Jesus, God has given us an invitation, and we don't want to miss it. I think we can get drawn into the celebration of the season and overlook the heart of Christmas. It can be really easy to do. I mean, even I, I can get caught up in the parties and the gift buying and the decorating and all of that. Um, actually, I, I brought a lot of Christmassy traditions with me into my marriage and into our family based on what I enjoyed as a kid. And one of my favorite traditions is making gingerbread houses. My love for gingerbread houses goes back to, you know, maybe second, third grade when you would get those uh, milk cartons and then you use frosting to glue some graham crackers all around. and. You know, it's gotten more complicated over the years for me, which I love. It's, it's something about the, the building, the construction, the design work with colored candies and making a masterpiece. Like the whole, the whole creative process, I love. 
And of course, you know, you get to eat candy. But even that, as I get older, I still just love the, the building. But you know what? December can get filled up with a lot of things to do for Christmas and traditions to keep up with. And, um, you know, I, I just said, no, we, ha we have to do we have to do gingerbread houses. That's the way I felt about it. And um, in order to not get swept away with all of that, I, I told Aaron this year I would be willing to release my goal of making gingerbread houses. <laughs> and we can, we can focus on some other things. And uh, you know, this season really is a celebration, not of candy or chocolate or, or, or even Christmas lights and decorations, although those are great things. It's a celebration that God stepped into our world in the person of Jesus Christ to reveal himself to us. And so we're starting this message series through December called Divine Descent. My name is Bruce Wood. If I haven't got the chance to say hello or meet you, if you're just tuning in for the first time, I'd love to get the chance to say hello and you can leave some contact info and I could shoot you an email or something. But uh, I'm glad you're here. And we're doing this message series. We really want to focus on the truth behind the, the descent of divinity into our world. Jesus entered in a pretty quiet way, but what a crucial event that probably most of the world at the time totally missed. Probably, you know, comparatively few people knew what happened on Christmas Day. Just a few shepherds were invited to that first Christmas, but they were changed in a moment as they saw the angels sing and they celebrated what God had done in Jesus Christ. And John was later to be a disciple of Jesus, but he was one of the eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. And he wrote actually five books in the New Testament. But when he wrote his biography covering the life of Jesus, it's called the Gospel of John. Uh, before he wrote that, at the very beginning of his letter, his book, he records a prologue, giving us a backstory on who Jesus really was. And the first 18 verses make sure that you know, whoever reads this letter, they would be really clear on Jesus' true identity. You know how when you watch movies, sometimes about a superhero or something, there's, there's maybe you don't know who it is or there's suspense because they've got a mask or they're veiled in some way. Zorro was like that. Who, who is this person? Who's the man behind the mask? John, and when he writes his prologue, it kind of, it kind of feels that way because he reveals the identity of that key figure uh, you know, progressively. And this is important because the way he writes, it's helpful because some people miss some of the details about Jesus' true identity. Some people thought he was just a man or a miracle worker, so maybe he was a magic man, a messenger or a prophet, but was he more than that? John's prologue sets the record straight on that. We learn in the first few verses of John's gospel that the Creator came to relate to the people that He created. It's amazing. Our Creator came to relate with His creation. John says at the very beginning of his letter, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that had been created. I'll, I'll just touch on a few of those statements, but as John writes, he's drawing in two audiences. He's getting attention from two groups of people. The Jews, the Jewish people from the nation of Israel, and then Greeks, people that were not Jewish. And when he starts with the phrase, in the beginning was the Word, 
That phrase would have immediately captured a Jewish audience because it would sound exactly similar to the very first part of Genesis, the beginning of the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, Genesis 1-1, the starting point of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so he pulls these Jewish listeners in with that phrase. Then he says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so this concept of Word, so far he hasn't revealed any identity. He's just talking about the Word. And the Jews would have understood Word, which the Greek word for that is um, logos. They would, have, they would have understood Word to be an expression of divine power and wisdom because God used his words to create. The Gentiles, who would have been educated Greeks, they would have understood this concept of word or logos to mean an abstract principle of reason or um, a reason for order in the universe. So this logos or this word was the creative force behind the world, the power that made everything. And so probably all the listeners to John's gospel would have been drawn in at this point, interested by what he was saying but then this word becomes personal. In verse 2, it says, He was with God in the beginning. The word was with God. He was with God. So that he makes it very personal now. He is, this, this he being is eternal because he already existed. He was with God the Father at the beginning of the creation of the universe. And then he says, all things were created through him. So God spoke the world into existence. So John's trying to connect the dots for his audience. The Word is God himself. And it would have been clear to the Jews what John was declaring. The Word he's writing about is the creator of the earth. And then John reveals the identity of this person, the Word, down in verse 14. It takes a few more sentences to get there. But if we skip there, it says, The Word became flesh, like my body here, and he dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So you see this line drawing, connecting word to God to Jesus who came in the flesh. John makes his point very clear, drawing in anyone that might explore the biography of Jesus. That We, we call this concept the incarnation. God became flesh. He uh, became a human being. So our creator... Can you believe this? He came personally to the people that he created. Did gods step down from their high and heavenly places to interact with humankind? A lot, there's maybe stories of where that happens, but not in the way that Jesus did. Our Creator went great lengths to connect with us. Another statement from that verse we just read is, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means from all the way from birth through death, Jesus walked in our shoes. He knew what it was like to be us. God stepped down from heaven to earth. This is, this is the divine descent into our world. He took on human flesh. And Jesus, being a human, he would have felt all the things that humans feel. He would have get hungry and thirsty. And, and uh, he'd become just tired and worn down by a day. He would enjoy life by smiling and laughing, celebrating, getting, enjoying a really good meal. He could also experience pain the way that we do. He wept with people who experienced a loss. He was ridiculed at points. He was punished and beaten. He, he, he eventually suffered the agony of death on a cross, and he felt all of it. 
keenly. So, Jesus never sinned, but in all other respects, he was, he walked in our shoes. He knew what it was like to be us. And he did that because he wanted us to feel understood. How amazing it would be to know that our God knows exactly what it's like to be a human. And I want to show you a video that illustrates this concept really well. It's from a TV series called The Chosen. And it's a series about Jesus' life. And the clip you're about to see shows Jesus doing very normal, everyday things. Uh, Like, you know, he's like out in a campsite making a fire. (laughs) And uh, it's fascinating. This this portrays a scene that, you know, as Jesus, before he started his public ministry and began gathering a following, he, which happened around the age of 30, um, maybe he was out living on his own in some place. And so this is a, a hypothetical scene that we see him making a fire to cook some food. And you got to remember, as you watch this, Jesus was the one who, you know, as the creator of the universe, he made the sun with all of its boiling, intensely hotness. And uh, here he is on his knees struggling to, you know, light a fire. <laughs> it's, an, it's an amazing scene of hum- his humanity. So check this out. Jesus probably did everyday normal things like chopping up some garlic for a meal or cooking over a fire. Maybe even struggling to do those things or cutting his finger, who knows? (laughs) But when someone has walked in your shoes, if they've really experienced what you've experienced and they they know your life, man, you feel understood by that person. You feel like that's a person that you could trust. Well, by descending from heaven, from heavenly glory and just, you know, divine kingdom and coming to earth as a man, Jesus was uniquely qualified to represent humanity. And he did that through his death and resurrection. So the way that he lived and died, Jesus built a bridge for 
imperfect humans to relate to a perfect God. And as he did this, it's amazing that Jesus had somewhat of a mixed reception from the people that he made. Jesus had a mixed reception from people. And that was true back then, and it's actually still true today. People respond to Jesus in different ways. But we can see a description of this mixed reaction if we go back to John's prologue when he's speaking about the Word. And uh, in verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. So what, what we see here is that all were slow to recognize him. People were slow to see who he was. If, if they recognized him at all, meaning uh, to acknowledge his true identity, everyone was slow on that take. And that, that shouldn't surprise because, you know, we tend to see with our natural eyes and we make natural conclusions about what we can see and feel and touch. But Jesus, clearly, is, there's a lot more there than what meets the eye. He was God in the flesh. And the next part of this verse, it says, he, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So he, Jesus was born to an earthly family, to a Jewish family. And so Jesus went to go spend time and minister and give truth to his own people, the nation of Israel. And sadly, many people rejected him. That's what we see here. Actually, this is, uh, this is illustrated in another clip from The Chosen. Um, in this next scene, Jesus is standing with two of his disciples, and they get treated with hostility. And so the dialogue that you hear, Jesus talking to his disciples, it's, it's, uh, that's a script made by a, some video producer. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. Um, it's got some ideas that maybe have uh, been, you know, taken from the concepts we find in Scripture. So uh, what you see here is, is hypothetical, but it does show some of the tensions that may feel from people that rejected Jesus. So check this out. You Jewish boys are far from home. Yes, as a matter of fact, we are. Shalom to you too. Here's our traditional Jewish greeting for you. Don't lift a finger. That was a warning. Try it again and see what happens. Quiet, Big James. Shalom to you too. You filthy dogs! I said quiet. Let us do something. And what would that achieve? Defending your honor. They reviled and humiliated you. They deserve to have bolts of lightning rain down and incinerate them. Yes, fire from the heavens. Fire? You said we could do things like that. Say the word and it will happen. Why not? We knew we couldn't trust these people. We shouldn't have come here in the first place. They don't deserve you. Why do you think I had you work, Melek's field? What was I trying to teach you? To, to help? You think it was just to be more helpful? Or to be better farmers? It was to show you that what we're doing here will last for generations. What I told Fotina at the well, and what she then told so many others, it's sowing seeds that will have a lasting impact for lifetimes. Can you not see what's happening here? These people that you hate so much are believing in me without even seeing miracles. It's the message 
the truth that we're giving them. And you're going to get in the way of that because a few people from a region you don't like were mean to you. That they're not worthy? What, you're so much better? You're more worthy? Well, let me tell you something. You're not. That's the whole point. It's why I'm here. One of the reasons that I've enjoyed watching this series, The Chosen, is because you get an idea of Jesus' humanity, and you also get an idea of his compassion for people. I think the producers do a good job bringing some of those qualities and putting them on display. If you look at a prophecy that was spoken from God through a man named Isaiah about 700 years before Jesus came, um, this, is what, this is what was prophesied about Jesus. It says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone that people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Now, failing to see value in Jesus is an easy, uh, that's a trend that's easy to see, I think, in the Christmas rush these days. Even, even though it's Christmas time, you might not hear anything spoken about Christ in the stores or in the mall or in the movies that pull us into the nostalgia of the season. It's really easy. We, in fact, I think sometimes, some days during December, we, we may have to work really hard to be very intentional to find Christ in Christmas these days. So, all were slow to recognize him. Many rejected him, but then a few received him. They were open and receptive to him. And Jesus, he started with just a few men and women that, they, that, that he called to them and they followed him. And then the, it became a movement that Jesus started. It's grown from just a few people to a vast following all over the world now, thousands of years later. So Jesus, our creator, he came to make a way for us to have a relationship with God. He was willing to bear the punishment that we deserved on the cross to build a bridge so that we can relate to God and experience forgiveness and eternal life and hope. It's great news for anybody that, that believes in him. Look at you know, this next verse in John, it says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. This is at the heart of Christmas. This idea of, of receiving Jesus and believing in him, in his name. And so Jesus descended into humanity so that we might become children of divinity. It's a mind-blowing concept. Jesus descended into humanity so that we might become children of divinity. The word believe in that passage is, you can find it throughout the New Testament. It's a word that means to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. And when you believe in Jesus Christ in that way, it, it's really the receiving him that makes all the difference. It says, that verse says, to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be ch become children of God. It's amazing. And so many of the Christmas carols that we sing or that you hear on the radio, they can actually, they, they may include this idea of being receptive and receiving. One of the, maybe one of the most well-known Christmas carols, Joy to the World. You know, it's, it says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. 
Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And actually, that's, you know, in our live service today that we're ending on that song. It's a fun celebration. <clears throat> There's this idea of receiving the king. And, and you know, think about your heart and your emotions, your investment, things that, you, that are important and close to you. Um, the song says, prepare room in your heart, in our minds, space, in our schedules. During the Christmas season, we can so easily overlook the heart of Christmas. But with a little intentionality, we can remember that many of our traditions and the things that we do, I think, are meant to be symbols of hearts preparing room for Jesus. And so actually, here, here's a few practical ways that we can receive Jesus and prepare our hearts for him during the Christmas season. One real big way, first of all, is is to respond to Jesus by receiving him into my life. And if you've never received Christ, by, by believing in him enough to, to be careful to do all that he commands, uh, if you've never done that, I'd love to help you do that or, or talk it through. If, if you're ready to do that, um, shoot us an email or write in the notes or in the chat, uh, receive. Or if you've got some questions that maybe you need to get clarified first, write clarify and let us know. We, we can clarify what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But another next step that you might take is to let yourself get drawn into the Christmas season and, and do that by, by preparing your own home and your own heart. Here's a few ways to do that. You could put up Christmas lights, and as you do that, think about how Jesus is the light of the world. You know, we get excited to see lights as we drive through the neighborhoods. What a joy to see Jesus bringing light to us in our lives and in our neighborhoods um, by, by him shedding that light in, on our lives. Um, also, maybe here's another way. When you wrap presents, think about the gift, the most valuable gift that God has given us by giving us Jesus. Um, when you put up your tree and your decorations, um, you can think about, you know, trees, our Christmas trees are green. They're evergreens. Well, God's love for us is evergreen. It's ongoing. It doesn't it doesn't drop or fall to the ground. Um, his love for us is evergreen in Jesus. Uh, we might sing hymns about Jesus' arrival, like you know, songs and carols like Joy to the World. You might read John chapter 1 and reflect on this idea of receiving him. Um, or another idea is to, to watch The Chosen. There's, they have a, a Christmas episode pilot from, uh, that's I believe from last year, and then they have a brand new one coming out very soon. And as you watch that, ask God to capture your heart around the right things this Christmas season. Or maybe you just think about some other ways that you might slow things down a bit and take some unrushed time to talk with God. Take some unrushed time to read the Word and reflect and spend time in prayer and dialogue with Him. This season, you know, Christmas usually has you know special vibes just wired right into it but christmas be can become even more meaningful if we carve out time to focus and be with our creator there's a really beautiful estate in ireland called the muck ross house and it was built a long time ago 1843 and i bring it up because it has this idea of receiving a king or and in this case a queen one of the most important things that ever happened at the Muckross house was a visit from the Queen of England. And this was at the time when the Queen was the ruler over Great Britain. 
and Ireland and even India. And so she was a really big deal. And, you know, one of the most important leaders in the world at that time. How would you prepare your house for one of the most important leaders staying there? Well, they, they put up tapestries and mirrors and Persian carpets and silverware and musical instruments and fine linens and fancy china and all the servants got new uh, uniforms. They spent several years preparing and spared no expense. In fact, maybe they spent more than they really should have uh, to get ready for such an important guest. And here is a picture of Queen Victoria. And when she arrived, she was not all that impressed. And instead of staying for a while, she actually cut her visit short and headed back to her palace in England. <laughs> and uh, I mean, looking at the photo, she doesn't look like she'd be too impressed for, by very many things. <laughs> but if you look instead at, look at our message series photo, The Divine Descent. Jesus, the truly divine and royal one, descended to our level with a very different attitude than, than that. Jesus, who was our maker, he intentionally came to identify and connect with us. Man, I am so glad that not only does he love us, but he cares that much. He would go those lengths to be able to, to relate and identify. He wasn't content to rule from a distance lording it over us. He, he came to live with us. He didn't come and look down his nose at us and make us feel inadequate. He came as one of us, actually lower. You know, he came into a lowly place like a manger and lived just a common, ordinary life before he started his public ministry. And uh, you know what? I think in a way that makes it a lot easier to receive him. I mean, we should, because of God's glory and power and majesty. We should receive him anyways, but man, when he goes to those lengths, it's incredible. How wonderful that Jesus is willing to come to the humblest of homes and dwell with people like you and me who simply prepare him room. In a moment, I'm going to pray, but before I do, I, I, want to, I want to let you know at the end of this message about another opportunity that we have coming up as a church. And we, we have an opportunity to uh, do, uh, be generous, uh, practice generosity. We're going to be doing a special Christmas offering. And, uh, you know, there's a real tendency, I think, in December to lose sight of the, you know, the heart of Christmas. That's what we've been talking about. But we can also lose focus if we're too narrowly concerned about what I'm getting or me, just, you know, me and mine, my family, or maybe just my small circle of influence. But God demonstrated incredible generosity by freely giving his son to us. And so I think we would do well to live sacrificially and give, even if it doesn't come back to give us in any way. So as the culture of our church develops, you know, Valley Lights Church are about a year old, and the culture is still setting, you can help us create a culture of generosity. I, I would love for that to characterize who we are. And, uh, you know, for this Christmas offering, which I'll, I'll give a few more details about it, but we've got this $4,000 goal that I'd like to hit, you know. And to be honest, I don't know if that's too ambitious or not. I guess we'll see. But we're going to be giving to a few different ministries. Um, one is the, the SCV Pregnancy Center. That stands for Santa Clarita Valley 
That's a pregnancy center right here in our city that provides help and, uh, to women and alternatives to abortion, info and support that's needed. Um, also, making it happen is a ministry uh, in our region, not our city, but um, they provide food, supplies, medical housing, jobs to people in need. And there's, in particular, a new food bank that's, that meets weekly that we'd like to support. Um, also, another a third uh, designation for our Christmas offering is Orange Crest Community Church. And this is actually our sending church, a place that has, um, well, they've given us way more than we could ever repay. But they are, uh, it's a church really uh, focused on training men and women in leadership in order to start new churches. And they're in the middle of um, a property and building expansion campaign where uh, if they get a permanent space in Riverside, it'll really enhance their ability to uh, reach out and do more ministry. And so we want to be a part of that ministry opportunity. And then finally, Kainos Missions uh, is a ministry. It's pretty new. It's, it's uh, a church planting ministry in Bangkok, Thailand. And uh, there are uh, plans to expand. Uh, right now, they're, they're starting a new work right there in Thailand. And so these are four different ministries that uh, I'd like uh, you know, if the funds come in, that we'd be able to designate $1,000 to each ministry. Um, each of them are faith-based ministries committed to spreading the gospel um, alongside of other really practical acts of helping people that are in need. And so if we give to this, really what it does is it expands our impact as a church far beyond just ourselves. Not that everything come in, comes in just goes to us. So there's some of these ministries, we've got some local ones, some regional ones, and then there's an international impact as well. So you might pray about giving to you this Christmas offering. Um, if, you, if you do give, um, I'd encourage you to, to think about giving above and beyond whatever you normally give to Valley Lights. Um, so if, if you consider, I mean, if you, if you give to church here, you might consider maintaining your normal giving and then adding this as something additional. Um, and then every dollar that comes in towards the Christmas offering will go to those ministries. There won't be a percentage taken out or a cut off the top. It 100% goes. And uh, you, you can give online. There's, when you give online through our website, there's a drop-down field where you can put uh, specifically Christmas offering. Really excited about this season and the chance to really focus on the true heart of Christmas and reflect on Jesus stepping into our world, divinity descending into our lives. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for sending your son and Jesus. Thank you for living among us, dwelling us. You, boy, you put up with so much in order to be close to us, to identify with us. And uh, that's just one of the reasons that you're completely trustworthy. Would you help us, Lord, to maintain a focus on that truth and reality and to, to truly enjoy the, the excitement and the treats of Christmas season, but to not lose sight of the most important thing. Um, help us to receive you, to make room. May we make room in our hearts for you and in our families and our minds and our schedules to relate with you, to spend unrushed time with you this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, happy December, Merry Christmas, and I'll see you next week.